Well, good evening and welcome to our midweek Bible study here at Lost River Church of Christ. We're going through the Ten Commandments, and tonight we come to the fourth of those commandments, which is to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Maybe one of the more controversial of the commandments, but hopefully we can clarify some of that and see the value of this commandment, even for us living today as New Testament Christians. First, a quick review of where we've been already. The first commandment was that we uh, are to have no other gods which means that we're to worship only the God who made us and redeems us. There's only one creator God who made everything in heaven and on earth. And he's the God who first redeemed Israel out of Egypt and redeems you and I from sin and death. And he alone is worthy of our allegiance, our worship and the devotion of our very lives. So that's the first commandment. The second was that we worship him as he actually is. And not just as we would like him to be. There's always that temptation of us turning God into something that we want him to be rather than receiving him for what he actually is. If we receive God for who he is, it'll elevate us. But if we bring God down into our image that we create for him, well, not only will we downgrade our view of God, but we will be corrupted in the process. And then thirdly, we should bear his name in earnest or represent him accurately. That is, don't take his name in vain. That means not only should you not use words that have God's name in it flippantly, but that you as a Christian bear on your person the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The name of God is something you represent. And God expects you to represent him as he actually is accurately. And then that leads us to today's commandment, which is that we seek rest with God. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Then it's time for you to find rest. And Jesus invites us to find that rest in him. And I think that ultimately we're going to discover that that is what the fourth commandment is all about. Now, again, as I said before, this is a little bit of a controversial commandment because it was originally given to the Jews as, uh, as in the nation of Israel. And there's some particulars about it that don't transfer directly over to us as New Covenant Christians. But there is a goldmine of principles here that are valuable for us to understand. And I think that we'll see that as we work our way through tonight. The commandment begins like this. It's found in Exodus chapter 20 and beginning in verse 8. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. I like this first word, remember, because I'm someone who's very prone to forgetting things. My wife can tell you and those who work with me and know me uh, can tell you that I, I will forget things, sometimes some pretty important things, and I need lots of reminders. It really doesn't upset me when somebody says, hey, remember to do such and such because I need all the help that I can get. And the reality is that that's the way most people are, and you're probably the same way. If we don't have regular reminders, we forget even the most important things such as the fact that there's a God who gives you life and blessing and everything in it, who made you and who has redeemed you. But if you don't have some regular pattern to remind you of these great principles and truths, to sort of reset you, 
You just kind of get lost in the haze and fog of life. And you forget ultimate realities and what matters the very most. God knew that that was true for Israel. And so he commanded them to remember every Sabbath. That's what we call Saturday, though that's not the meaning of the word Sabbath. It means to cease or to stop it, to rest, to pause and reflect. Remember to pause and reflect on this day by keeping it holy. Holy just means to take something that's um, special and set it apart, to, re, to revere it, to, to, have, to put it in a, in a class by itself. And so the idea was not that there were six days of the week that belonged to Israel to do with whatever they wanted. But just remember that there's that one day that you give to God. That's not the idea. The, the idea was rather that by giving one day to God in a very special way, by setting it aside as holy and spending that day reflecting and remembering on God's kindness and goodness and His will for their lives, they would remember during the next six days what they had been reminded of then. The same thing's true with you and I. We, we need a weekly time to come together as God's people, to worship, to pray, to encourage one another, to pause and reflect and remember, or we, no different than they, will forget what God has done for us, who He is to us. So this is part of just the fabric of creation. There's, there's a cadence and a rhythm to reality. You, you've noticed that when you listen to, to music, there's, there's a beat to it. And you've got to get in that rhythm or it doesn't work. And the same thing is true with all of life. There's a flow to the world that we live in. God has established the sun, the moon, and the earth on its rotational axis. And there is a rhythm to life. And God wants us to get in that flow. And one of the things that's interesting about creation is that it naturally works from planet Earth's perspective on a seven-day cycle. And that's what God wanted them to recognize, this weekly reminder of who God was by setting the Sabbath day apart as holy unto Him. Now, in verse uh, 9 and 10, he specifies what he is looking for out of this commandment this way. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. You know, God created mankind to work, to be productive. And we feel best about ourselves when we're doing things that we feel like are productive. When we think when we're, we're, we're getting things accomplished, that makes us feel good. But we also know that if you work and you work and you work and you don't ever stop, you don't take the breaks, you don't take the daily break by getting enough rest each evening, or you work without ever taking a day off, or you go years without having a vacation, pretty soon you're going to begin to pay for it emotionally, physically, spiritually, and relationally. All these things are going to become, become frayed and begin to break down because we're not respecting the creational fabric that God has, has woven into reality. And that you and I as human beings are a part of that created order and system of things. And so let's work, but then let's take our break, take time off to remember, to reflect, and to be restored in the process. So we, we, he tells them to work six days to then on the seventh is a day of Sabbath to the Lord. And again, Sabbath means to cease or to rest. 
and it's to be devoted to the Lord your God. So that was what God required of them. And here's specifically what he uh, required. He said in verse 10, on it, that is the Sabbath, you shall not do any work. So it was a strict prohibition against any kind of uh, effort to go out and be productive. Now, for some of you, that's just like, that's just the worst, isn't it? Because you thrive on productivity. Maybe some of us are even addicted to the productivity. It's something that I can sometimes fall into the habit of as well. And I don't, I don't ever stop and, and cease. But he says, no, I want you to take a day where you don't try to produce anything of value. Now, I want you to think about why it might be that God said that. And when you look at our culture, and we're trying to think about these Ten Commandments in the context of our crisis of, of, of character and the culture around us today. And if America is characterized by anything, it's characterized by this, by hurry and worry. We're in a hurry. We've got to get things done. Can't stop. Got to produce. Got to keep it going. Got to keep all these plates spinning all the time. And, and there's no time to rest. And yet at the same time, we're just worried sick. And we're hurrying because we're worried. And we're worried because we don't believe that God has everything under control. We're unwilling to take our six days of work, put that in God's hand and trust him with the seventh to make it prosper. It all rides on me, we think. And because you really don't have the capacity to make it all work, because you're really not as great as we sometimes, as you sometimes think you are, or I sometimes think I am. And because we know that, we're worried, even though we're hurrying like crazy and can't stop. And it's killing us. And it's very much a part of the crisis of character that we're facing. It makes me think, you know, when we see a lazy person, we know that that's a character flaw. That's a problem. That's, that's a sin, we would say, and rightly so. God, again, said work for six days. But have you ever stopped to consider that you're relentlessness, your restlessness, your, your drive to, to never stop, to think you've always got to have your foot on the gas all the way, that that's a sin? That it's maybe exhibiting a lack of faith and trust in God? That this world can't go on without you being busy all the time? that you can't stop and rest and reflect and just trust God to take the work of your hands, the things that you've done over the past period of time and cause them to prosper. I think we're all impressed by the, the Chick-fil-A model in this competitive environment as the fast food industry is. A company comes along and says, you know, we're, we're taking a day off. We're not gonna be open on Sundays. We're giving our employees a day of rest. We're gonna take a day of rest. And people could probably look at that and say, you know, when you, when you take one-seventh of the productivity out of the profit margin and that competitive in a, of an environment, there's no way you can succeed. Well, Chick-fil-A sort of puts the, exposes the flaw in that way of thinking. So maybe you, like me sometimes, need to ask yourself the question, why? Why is it that we push ourselves toward relentless productivity and ask, could it be 
that I really am lacking enough faith in God. And so when he told Israel to take a day off, and it wasn't just a day, I want to add this as well. It wasn't just one day of the week they were to take off. He also built into this same complex of laws, an expansion on this that we find later in the book of Deuteronomy, for instance, that they were to take every uh, seventh year off, basically. And then at the end of seven sets of seven years, after the end of 49 years came the year of Jubilee. On the 50th year, they were to take another complete year off. And the economy was supposed to sort of reset. And again, the whole thing is just this principle of, of God trying to get Israel to realize that their prosperity as a nation didn't depend on their hard work and ingenuity alone but that it was dependent upon the grace and supervision of God to cause them to prosper. And only when they paused and reflected and remembered and honored God would that prosperity continue. And it may be the case that all of our hard work and prosperity as a nation or yours as an individual or as a family or as a company has gotten you pretty good so far, but maybe there's a societal exhaustion Maybe there's just some breakdown that's beginning to happen. And you may be even feeling this at this point. And it's because you thought that you were an exception to God's rule of work punctuated by rest. But it's all starting to unravel now. And maybe again, it's time for us to realize that it's necessary for us not to be in a hurry all the time and worry, but to work, put it in God's hands and rest. I hope that that's coming across to some of us as good news. And then in verse 10, he goes on and says to them, you shall not do any work on this day. And then he adds this, and I love it. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. This is a principle that's just so consistent with God's teaching throughout the Bible. God gives rest to his people. And then he says, I want you to take what you've been given and I want you to extend it to others. Isn't that beautiful? Think about all of this in the context of Israel's history. In that first lesson, we talked about how there was a contest between Pharaoh who thought of himself as the God and the Lord over Israel, over them as his slaves. And God, who through Moses sent the message to let my people go. And Pharaoh said, I don't know who the Lord is, then I won't obey his voice. But Israel knew who Pharaoh was. He claimed to be their God. And for him, there, was no, there were no days off. For a slave in Egypt, it was produce or die. And that's the way so many of the gods of this world is and why we should be so grateful that we serve the true and living God who, who, who not only makes it possible for us to be productive, but then gives us this rest. Israel didn't experience that under Pharaoh. And so when God brought them into uh, out of Egypt and was bringing them into the promised land, he said, I want you to take this rest, something that you haven't experienced to this point in your life, because I'm a gracious God, I'm going to let you rest. But you make sure that what I'm giving to you, you extend to others, that you give rest as well as take it. So their family, their workers, 
even their animals, and the land itself, as we, as we see, was to be given its rest, to work within the flow of creation. And not only that, even their foreign uh, migrant workers were to be given a break. You giving breaks to people? If you're a boss, if you're a, a parent, um, whatever your role of authority might be, do you expect certain things of your people? That's good, and that's godly. And people like to perform and accomplish things, but do you also make sure that people are given their rest? We should strive to give that. And then he says in verse 11, what the reasoning ultimately behind this Sabbath principle was, takes us all the way back to the first chapter of Genesis, the week of creation. And he says, in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. Do you remember that? In Genesis chapter 1, God takes first, he, he brings into being sort of this um, chaotic, disordered uh, universe. And then each day, God goes to work. Monday, God goes to work and he separates light from dark. And then he separates the water from the dry land on Tuesday. And each day of the week, he, he shows up for work. He does something productive and he leaves the world a better place than he found it when he began. And at the end of that six days, God rested. God looked back on all that he had done and said, it's very good. And that, get this, became the pattern for humanity to follow. One of the things that I try to emphasize in my teaching is that we reflect the image of God. God put us in the earth to represent him in the world. And so God works with his, his hands, as it were, on the creation, making it better each day. And then he rests. And then God turns the place over to you and me, to mankind. And he says, I want you to do the same thing. Every day you ought to wake up and say, what can I do? What, what task can I perform to leave the world a little better than it was when I found it? And at the end of a period of time, six days, take a break. Look back on what you did. And like God, breathe a breath of satisfaction. That's very good. I did good work. And enter into rest with God and reflect upon what's been accomplished. That's a beautiful thing about who we are as God's image bearers. So that's what God did. And that's why he says, I want you to do this as well. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy, not only for himself, but for us as image bearers. Now, here's something that's kind of fascinating to me. God not only gives this as the foundational reason for the Sabbath day for the Jews, but a little bit later, he gives them another foundational reason. This one is rooted in creation itself, and it's what's recorded in Exodus 20. But, but 40 years later, when God goes over these Ten Commandments with Israel again, things have changed a little bit, and He draws another reason for them to remember the Sabbath. And it's like this, Deuteronomy 5.15, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And that the Lord your God brought you out, brought you out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So two reasons for the Sabbath are given. First, 
It's part of the fabric of creation. It's what God did in the very fundamental first week of creation, then set man over creation to do what God did. Work six days, rest uh, on the seventh. Then a second reason, God delivered you out of slavery. And I want you to remember that deliverance and the freedom that God's brought you into. And I want you again to share that with other people. So there's a creational aspect and a redemptive aspect to observing the Sabbath. Which then brings us then to ask the question about, well, what about us as Christians? Well, we're still a part of the material creation and we still need to work with that rhythm and the flow and the beat of, of the world around us. And we need to work and rest. But God has done something that fundamentally changes the structure of reality. When he sent his son into the world to establish a new creation. Now, that doesn't mean that the physical molecules of the world have been altered, but it means that the covenantal structure between the way God relates to human beings has been dramatically and fundamentally changed in the coming of Jesus Christ. And when he died and was buried on, and rested on the Sabbath and rose on the first day of the week, he ushered in a new creation. It was a new beginning and a new way of God relating to, to human beings. And it's not surprising, therefore, that beginning with that, Jesus' resurrection, we start finding God's people resting and remembering and reflecting on what God has done, not on the seventh day, but now on the first day, the day of the new beginning of the new creation. We know that he rose from the dead on the first day of the week. We know that he poured out his spirit on the church at Pentecost on the first day of the week. And we know in things like uh, passages like Acts 20 and verse 7 that the disciples began the habit early on of coming together on the first day of the week and partaking of the Lord's Supper and remembering what Jesus had accomplished and establishing this new creation. And so um, uh, John also in the book of Revelation speaks of being in the spirit on the Lord's day, which I take to be a reference to the first day of the week. So the only reason why we would expect there to be a new day of reflecting and remembering and resting is because there's a new creation. And that new creation has been established by the Lord Jesus. The second reason has to do with what we see here in Deuteronomy 5, and that is there's a new redemptive event to commemorate. Just as the Jews remembered their deliverance when he brought them out of Egypt and their slavery and bondage to Egypt. So you and I as Christians are to remember how the Lord Jesus Christ brought us out of slavery to sin, to death, to shame, to guilt. All of these things we've been delivered from through the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. So we remember a different redemptive event than Israel did, something that was finalized and accomplished on the first day of the week. So we want to be careful and not draw over a one-to-one -one correspondence between what was required for Israel and what's required for us. But we shouldn't forget the principles. We still are called upon to work and to labor and to do all we can, but we also need to rest and most of all, we need to find our rest in the Lord Jesus Christ.
And we need to rest on His perfect works. That He's the one who worked hard enough and worked perfectly enough to satisfy the expectations of God when He made mankind in the first place. And ultimately, it's not my works that are going to make all the difference. It's the work of Jesus Christ. Now, I contribute. I do what I can. I work. But ultimately, I'm trusting in the works of Jesus Christ and not my own. He is our Sabbath rest. And we don't have to work in a frenzied way. We don't have to be restless and relentless in our work because Jesus' works are perfect. And we trust in them and not our own. And therefore, we don't have to be worried. What if my works aren't good enough? Listen, I've heard older Christians come near the end of their life and be afraid that they weren't going to go to heaven because they, their works weren't good enough. And I just tell them, you're right. Your works are not good enough. And thank God for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ that is. Put your faith in Him, not yourself. Lean on Him, trust in Him. Let Him be your Sabbath rest and find your hope and strength there. And so there is a new creation ushered in through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a new redemptive event that is to be commemorated through His death, burial, and resurrection in which we place our confidence. And we can do that, and Jesus teaches us to do that. A couple of more passages, and then we're going to wrap up. In Deuteronomy, rather, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus introduced His public ministry to Israel. He came at the end of Israel's history, as it were, on the seventh day of Israel's experience as a nation. And He comes to them with good news. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Now, he's not Moses bringing Israel out of Egypt. He is the greater Moses bringing all of us out of the prison house of sin and under the oppression of the devil and the shame that comes from the wrongs that we've done. And he's leading us in a greater exodus. And he's come to bring this release to the captives. And we ought to remember that. We ought to remember that weekly as we partake of the Lord's Supper, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Are you oppressed? Do you feel the burden of guilt and sin and shame? Do you have a master like Pharaoh, Satan, controlling you, demanding that you do more, more, more? calling to your remembrance constantly that you're not good enough and that a slave that isn't productive is going to be a dead slave. That's, that's the master that so many people live their entire lives under that kind of cloud of oppression. People all over the world are under that kind of a burden and weight. And Jesus says, I'm coming to give you good news. I'm coming to set the captive free. I'm coming to lift up those burdens and declare the year of Jubilee is what this acceptable or favorable year of the Lord means. I'm taking back, I'm canceling the debts, and I'm bringing you out of that prison, out of that darkness, out of that oppression. That's what Jesus says, I've come to do. I've come to be your Sabbath. And then he brings this final expression that we all love so much. And if you haven't heard it before, this is going to be good news. Jesus' invitation. Come to me, 
Come to me, all you who are weary and are burdened, and I'll give you rest. Sometimes people who do what I do for a living, preachers, and sometimes I myself, preach in such a way that all we do is increase the sense of burden that people bear. That's what the Pharisees and religious teachers of the law did during Jesus' day. And Jesus described that in Matthew 23 by saying, you guys, you just, you, you, you bind heavy burdens on the people that they cannot bear. And Jesus says, I'm not here to do that. I'm not here to add weight to your burden. I'm here to take it away. If you're weary, if you're burdened, I want to give you rest. And so take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's still work to do. You still have responsibilities to fulfill. And he'll give you that work and that purpose which you need to feel fulfilled, but it's not all on you. You're resting in, you're trusting in Jesus who is your Sabbath. And you're reflecting and you're remembering on His work accomplished on your behalf when He died on the cross. As you come together to reflect and remember every seven days on the first day of each week. And you're reminded of how He washed your sins away. Brought you out of oppression. And gave you relief and peace. If you're not a Christian, we hope that this message will cause you to want to come to Jesus and find Him as the one who can lift your burden that you've carried for far too long. Let's close as we always do with a word of prayer. Our great God and Father, how good you are. You don't grind us to the dust. You, you give us good work to do, but then you give us rest. Help us to find our rest in you and in your son, Jesus, who came to be our Sabbath, to deliver us from oppression and to establish a new creation and help us to get into the flow of working, spreading the gospel, expanding the kingdom, taking care of and feeding our families and doing the good works you've created us to do, and then resting in the perfect and finished work of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.